Is he just going to keep talking like that? Or is it, oh, he's back. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Dan. Wow. Well, here we are. Hi, Ben. Back, uh, back so soon. <laughs> yeah, okay. Pretty soon I'm going to be famous. A little more famous than you. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous And you can be famous, too <laughs> Should we just start, you wanna What are we doing with our wanna, I got another clip are? to play Do so, you wanna hear another clip? Well, yeah. I think <laughs> before we play this clip Let's talk about Dan's success uh, in, in <laughs> A little more <laughs> Jeez, it's all about Dan. <laughs> and like, you know, we mentioned this like kind of quickly, but uh, HBO's uh, Station Eleven, yep. that was pretty cool. Huh? Movies yeah. with Beast in the title. Yeah. And Netflix's Maniac. Did we already list a bunch of No, these? I didn't do anything. I just said he was capable of stuff and he wrote, he, no, I didn't give, I didn't actually say anything that people want to oh, know. Because I'm hopping around. I didn't prepare any of this. So it's like, but <laughs> Chasing Coral, I was reminded of that. You scored that. That was fucking cool. Thank you. <clears throat> anyway, um, this one, this last clip that we have for you, um, is from Luca, which uh, we actually have two more clips. I'm not not to mess with your. No, the other the 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 fourth one is uh, we play it at the end of the show. We only have one more clip. You're right. <laughs> Did you guys know that Luca was the most watched movie of like uh, 2021 or whatever whatever what? year it came out? No way. I, I looked up online. It's it's crazy. Did you know that, Dan? Yeah. I did know that. How does that feel? You know, I get uh, sometimes people I work with are like, so my kid just watched Luca for the 50th time. And I am so fucking sick of your score. <laughs> <laughs> so, And how does that make you feel? Great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. This is a clip from Luca. It's so pretty. Thanks, Tommy. It's so beautiful, and it and I mean this in the best way. It's so simple. Ultimately, it's like it is a masterful use of like what you could call like common chords. You are so good at that. Oh, that the melody, the da, 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 da. Oh. And a little suspension at the end. God, it's like that's like one of those melodies for me, like the like somewhere over the rainbow, you know, where you're. It's just like even though it's so simple, you're just like ah. Oh. It hurts my heart. Thanks. The in- thank you. The intention was to have that like minor set, like the, the the major seven. The point, like my intention was like it was all just like I want that da da interval. You know. Did you cry when you wrote that? Yeah, I cried a lot. Do you remember? Yeah. Yes, I was crying while writing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I I cry a lot. In the best way, I, I know, and I like I know you. I, I, you know that about me. 
I mean that in the best possible way. Like I like I don't know how you could write that and not and not cry. You know, the, it's it's funny. The the this was something that you know when I was doing the press stuff for Luca, um, that piece is brought up a lot, and they were like, "Tell us about that piece of music. Tell us about how it works." And the thing that I kept bringing up was the Weezer song "Only in Dreams." In that song, there's like a like a th- two or three minute build where they're just like and you're just like this can't this can't possibly keep going wait it's gonna keep going oh my god and like you just are in this constant state of like and then finally when the you're like yeah and it's like the best feeling ever that's what i was trying to do with that piece of music i was trying to make a thing that just like kept growing and growing and growing and growing and then at the last second just hammered in the theme you know when you're when you're diving into that like how do you get there because again it's like it's simple and and i mean that in a way that like I would find it very challenging to keep it that parametered. I don't know what the right word is like that constrained with that much build with that much emotion. Like, how do you, how do you keep that from, how do you keep that interesting on a build like that with the chords that you're using? Thank you. First of all, uh, well, I think a lot of it, it's about, it's about like motion and voicings. And it's sort of like you start your instruments in a certain place and you see what their range is and how, in terms of volume, in terms of uh, pitch, and you kind of, you know, you need to know how long you're gonna, you're gonna go and 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 how much space you have, and then it's like, okay, so if I if I, you know, the strings need to sort of have this build to them, and and you know, when you it, it's it's kind of a random thing that that happens where it's like, oh, this is the exact right amount of time I have with this chord progression with this tempo. And it's just kind of, that was a circumstance where it just worked, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it gets a little bit funny when you have an, like, um, when you, when you have a, uh, notes playing a thing again and again, it's called an ostinato. When you have an ostinato going, uh, which is those strings going, you have to go around those notes. You have, if you want to keep those the same, you have to kind of build around them, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing is like, you kind of, there's so many places where you break this rule, but you really want to try to do a thing when you're orchestrating to never have two instruments playing the same pitch unless they're like doubling each other, they're, unless they are actually are playing the same thing to make a new timbre. Yeah. This was like Brian Wilson's thing with with when he was in like the Pet Sounds era where he was like, oh, if you have, you know, three instruments playing the same melody, you know, the same part, it makes a new sound, you know? And I think Pink Floyd then coined the rule of three, where they're like, you could have three instruments playing a melody. That's cool. Yeah. After so you're, three, not, you're not doing, so sorry, you're not doing any like uh, instrument doubling. Everything is like your voice is, is that what you're saying on that? Well, no, what I'm saying is like, you don't want your brass, like you don't want your French horns playing the same notes as your strings. Right. Got or it. else they get lost, you know? And so you want to sort of like, if your strings are over here and they're rising, you want to have like your brass here, yeah. you know, or you have, then you have your piano left hand below that and whatever. And then sometimes like uh, often I'll, right. I'll be writing and I'll have like a piano right hand going and then you get rid of the piano right hand and you don't even hear that it's gone because you have yeah. strings and horns or whatever playing those notes. And then you're like, all that the piano is doing effectively is like, adding to the bass like the left hand of the piano is all that even matters about the piano here it's just giving grit to the bass you know i mean because then you get into a whole other level of like the harmonic makeup of instruments you know when you're like well how much of what frequency ranges these instruments have is that frequency range being 
covered by this frequency range. And you're like, well, I have these like trumpets blaring these notes, but I have all this high-end garbage they're creating that the strings are in that region and they're hiding the strings. Maybe a French horn, which is a lot rounder, playing the same notes as the trumpet is actually going to fit into the mix way better. When you're when you're recording strings like that and you're thinking about like overtones and resonant frequencies and all of it, everyone lighting up mm-hmm. like a room, I imagine when you're composing, you're composing in the box where those frequencies perhaps are not being mm-hmm. executed. Like, are you getting into a room with an orchestra and hearing things and, and making changes in the moment? Or are you able to now anticipate what's going to happen? I pretty much just write the music in MIDI and then record it. It's cool. so expensive to sit there on this on a, on a recording stage and like try a ton of different things. Right. I mean, you know, these samples are so realistic sounding now. I, I, I never only use samples at this point in my life. I always have real musicians play. Yeah. But you know the samples are are such a good writing tool, and they're so they're so representational. And I've never really had a situation where I've written something in MIDI and then gone in and be like, oh, it has to be a different thing now yeah. because it's real instruments. Have, have you ever been disappointed by the real instruments compared to the MIDI? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the the like more like punk rock side of me is like you know, what you record is what you record and that's the thing and it's cool and like whatever it is is what it is and you got to let a moment be a moment and you can't micromanage sound, you know, and then at the same time, sometimes you're like, I just, I'm watching this thing and 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 the real strings just aren't giving me the emotion that, that the MIDI gave me. And then you have to use a combination of the MIDI and the strings or you have to yeah. figure out some really weird mixing techniques on the strings to get them to sound more like the MIDI, you know? Mm. Yep. That's amazing. Can we quickly define MIDI for the non-musicians, the non-music oh, people? Yeah. Why don't you do it, Jesse? Please. Okay. Yeah, why, why don't you go ahead? I'm like the least. I like just discovered it like uh, post-college. Um, you know, MIDI is... Just, just, sorry, just discovered it post-college? <laughs> I graduated. You mean like... in the last 20 years you figured it out? <laughs> just just discovered it. Just I'm just saying, just you all it. knew what MIDI was in college. I didn't know what MIDI was until... After college. Until like 2013. <laughs> when we made our record, 2012. Well, so, why don't you tell the people what it is? All right, so uh, it's basically... A, um, <laughs> you're basically using... It'd be sand. very funny if you just had a completely <laughs> insane... <laughs> just before he answers, it is very possible he has no idea what MIDI is. <laughs> I know, I'm this? really excited. Yeah. I want to hear it. Well, you made MIDI with my uh, laugh once because you put me, you had, you took he a laugh. He made MIDI. <laughs> this is already not going great. <laughs> he made MIDI, he right made MIDI with his good. laugh. Yeah, you he made pi- MIDI. You put it in. You every- made MIDI. <laughs> Wait, Jesse, what is MIDI? You pitched it, you mapped it onto a keyboard, and then you pitched it. So it was like, <laughs> you're changing the subject, Jesse. What is MIDI? Okay. You don't, don't, yeah, you're running away. Uh, MIDI is. It's it's uh, samples, so it's like a digital sample. It's a digital sound. <laughs> Keep going. Can you um, describe everything that MIDI is or could be? I'm tapping out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so, and you can you can uh, assign a sample to a note on a keyboard, and so every note on your keyboard or every key on your keyboard is a different plays a different sample. So when we talk about MIDI <laughs> strings, we're talking about strings that you are triggering either with a keyboard or just in the computer. Okay. So Jesse, 
I need to tell you something. That is not the correct definition of me. So, listeners are clear. Dan Romer has gone bright red and he's hiding his head below the screen. <laughs> what Jess is describing is a sampler. Is using samples. Is the mini's the using a yeah, mini yeah. controller? Sometimes. So is a mini is mini just say. the events on the screen, the blocks? What the <laughs> fuck is mini? <laughs> MIDI's a way of communicating from a keyboard to a computer. Communicating. It's a computer language, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, it gives everything a value and no. and. <laughs> but like yeah. that's. I'm, so, I'm laughing at the situation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's good. It's great. I asked for this too. I brought it up. I said, "Hey, I think we should explain MIDI." And then, of course, I knew the three of you would go, "Okay." It's like, it's like I, I mean, I definitely know what it is, but maybe one of you guys can yeah. say what it is. <laughs> like, I, I, I've known about MIDI since at least post college, which is a while. And I, in 2013, I learned MIDI, but maybe you guys should say yeah. what it is instead of me. I, I, I already know what I'm, MIDI is, but I'm I want to make certain. sure that you guys know what I already know. No, but Jesse's right. The short. The, when we, the shorthand, when we say MIDI, we're ta- we're talking about samples. We're talking about samplers. Like like in practice. And in all fairness, we're, when we're talking about MIDI like that, we're kind of using MIDI a little wrong because we're you know this it's samples. We are MIDI is the language that tells the samples when to play and 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 how to play a thing. Look, the listeners sometimes take my side on things. They just do. So if you're out there, if you're out there, it feels like we're <laughs> bullying you right now, Jesse. But but <laughs> that's why we do this. We do this. But my I'm laughing at the idea of you just having a completely like insane outlandish idea. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, anyways, which you No, no it's you're, you're, what you're saying is is now it's interesting. It's like, well, you know, it's like it's like how we use the word phone or whatever. I don't know. It's like that is what like now uh MIDI has come to mean when we say like MIDI strings, that's a kind of weird thing to say cuz uh, MIDI is just a language. It stands for, for musical instrument digital interface. And it's yeah. the language. It's like it's like a one. Wait, I got this. Yeah, I got. I think I got this. So like, you're like, explain a iPhone, and I start talking about how it's like you can have maps on it, and you can like use it to get on the internet, and and then and and you're like, well, no, a, a, an iPhone is something you make phone calls on. More accurately, like fo- it's like if phone, I was like describe a phone, a, and you were like, oh, a phone yeah, is something phone. that. You you text yeah. your friends on you know yeah and it's like uh, just describe a telephone and you were like oh, but no whatever I mean it's it's just a language that <laughs> it's like a really simple language where there's only 127 values for everything uh, and that, it's actually yeah it's not great it's not ideal but we got locked into it like we did the qwerty keyboard mm-hmm. which is the least efficient way to arrange keys on it on a keyboard. Because it kept the hammers from sticking, right? MIDI is a little clunky. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was and it was created in like early computer days. Eighty three. And speaking of clunky and inefficient, better. I literally asked that question as a way to move on from MIDI. I said, "Can we just say what MIDI is?" And I figured that would be like boring enough that we man, move that did on. not work. It <laughs> didn't work at all. It was clunky and inefficient. Um, what do you say? Because we've been past tour mates. What do you say? We ask you for a tour horror story. <laughs> we're, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> we are fucking done. Um, I guess we've moved on. We've moved on from this. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, what's interesting about, uh, so for, I've toured. Oh, yeah. 
Toller Stories. You're on an endless highway, heading into Ohio. You hear the chilling whisper of Ira Glass on the radio. We have uh, stories today about unpredictable kinds of things that can happen. It's three hours past midnight, you shiver as you realize your fate. On this never-ending tour, there's no exit. And you regret the slimy, scary, hairy, greasy, free-wrapped truck stop sausage biscuit thing you ate. Horror story. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying, Dan? Um. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I would say, with, I don't... I, I I mean, I think you guys know this about me. I've barely toured. You know, I've, I've there's been like really three stretches of touring in my life. Like I toured with my rock band in like 2006 a bit. I went on a tour with you guys. And then I toured with Ingrid Michaelson. I, I, I went on a tour with Jenny Owen Youngs where we were, where we were playing with right, you guys. On tour together. And then I did uh, two uh, legs of a tour with Ingrid Michaelson. And so, you know, I mean, you guys have many years of tour stories to draw from, you know, I really, not a ton happened. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I haven't had a, I mean, for me, the, the horror of the touring is just the existential moment where you're just like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, there's no way for me to not, to go home. I'm, this is what I'm doing. That's so funny. No one has given the answer that tour stories is just that moment you realize this is awful and I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like the whole thing. The whole thing. This isn't Literally. a thing where you're like, all right, I'm just going to cram. <laughs> I'm going to like get through this amount of work tonight. And I'm going to every day I'm going to fucking work for 16 hours. And I'm going to send to like, you know, there's that mentality can't happen if you if, if you need to, you know. Yeah. Like it's a it's a temporal event touring. Yeah. 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 But I will say you this. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. When I was touring with my rock band, uh, we um, we were touring through Michigan. Uh, we were at the college. We were in Ann Arbor at the college, and uh, we were played. We played a really small show. Um, and at the time, I had uh, I had a shaved head and no facial hair. Um, and our drummer, Seth, uh, also, uh, had a shaved head with no facial hair. And then there was this dude who was like the sweetest guy who was like coming, like uh, coming to like all of our shows. And it was, it was so cool. It was so cool to have it like such, such a hardcore fan. He too had a shaved head and no facial hair. <laughs> and so we're in Michigan. We just played this little tiny show. There's probably five people there to see us. And... We didn't have anything. It was kind of an early show. And we were like, like the next town, it's like a, the ne our next show, we had the wonderful luck that the next show was only like a two hour drive. You know, a lot of the time, especially when you're starting out, you're like, it's a 10 hour drive to the next thing. And, you know, because <clears throat> that's, you get what you can get. Yeah. But so we were like, oh, we only have, you know, we only, we only have a two hour drive. Let's, and it's like fucking like 9 p.m. or something. Let's go. We're in this, like, we're at this cool college. It's a Friday night. Let's go see what's going on on campus. And we didn't really, we were kind of hanging out with one of the other bands and we were walking and there was like a really loud party going on that we walked by and we were like, 
why don't we go to that party? And the other band was like, oh, that, that's not a cool party. You don't want to go there. And we were like, it sounds cool. They're having, it sounds like they're having fun. And then they were like, it's, look, why don't we just go back to our dorm room and just like drink uh, beer? And we were like, uh, well, why don't we just go to that party and see what it's like? Let's just walk in and say hi and introduce ourselves and see how it goes. And they're like, all right, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to go back to our dorm. And we're like, okay. And so they went back to our dorm and the five of us, uh, the four, the, uh, the four bandmates and our, and our, and our, and our friend fan who was traveling with us, were like, oh, let's go. And we go in and it's like an, it's an awesome party. Everyone's having a great time and people are being really weird to us. And we're like, man, they're not friendly here. This is fucking strange. Like, like it's like, cause you know, at, at purchase, it's like, we would throw parties at our dorm in our dorms. If someone showed up and they were like, what's up? We would be like, yeah, we'd like party with them all night. We loved strangers, especially if they were jovial and whatever, you know? Yeah. And um, so we assumed that's what was going to happen, but they were being really weird. And I started talking to this woman and she was being, she was uh, sounded very standoffish. And I asked her what her name was and I can't remember what her name was, but it was something very Jewish. And I was like, oh, are you Jewish? And she was like, yeah, so? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Jewish also. And she was like, you guys are Jews? And I was like, yeah. She's like, everyone here thinks you guys are neo-Nazis because we all had shaved heads. And she's like, this is, a, this is a Jewish frat house and everyone here thinks you guys are Nazis. Like, no, we're like, we're th- th- three of us are Jews. No, we just, we're just bald. And then like, she like brought me to uh, the guy whose dorm it was. And he was like, hey, and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm Jewish. And so, and then he was like, oh my God. And he like put a bottle of sh- schnapps in my hand, schnapps in my hand. It was like, drink this. And he just pointed at me and yelled, they're Jewish. <laughs> And then we like partied with them all night. It was great. Oh, so that's not a horror that is, story, I guess. That is that's, incredible. You sh- that's a great. That's amazing. You should have painted yourselves blue. Beat on a drum. Blue man group. They're okay. Bluish? <laughs> They're bluish. Uh, no, blue man group. You should have. <laughs> that's what. Anyway, Dan. No, keep going, Jess. What are you saying? Go on, go on, go on. this joke. Go on. That's the this joke. is not over. That's the joke, because I. When is. I was thinking so. So, by the way, I was. Is laughing. this like bluish, like spaceballs? Like no, like blue man group. Wait, oh, oh, wait, no, bluish is not spaceballs. <laughs> That's druish. Bluish is uh, yellow okay. submarine. My joke didn't land. Can you do it again though, yes. one more time, just so we're clear? My joke. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I said you should have painted yourselves blue to be blue man group. It didn't land. Oh, because we're bald. Cause, yeah, because it's like a bunch of bald. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Look. Yeah. I was I was laughing my fucking ass off as soon as you started talking about no one having facial everyone being bald with facial hair. I was like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm already laughing. Like I'm already seeing Blue Man Group <laughs> in Ann Arbor, Michigan at a frat house. It doesn't matter. But that's great. Uh, that was you were like nervous. I sensed that you didn't have the um, you didn't have the credentials for a tour horror story. And that is among that is up there. That might be my favorite one I've ever heard. Oh, thank you, Jesse. Uh, that's a great one. Yeah, that's solid. That means a lot. The odds of being at a Jewish frat house, too. Yeah, but I mean, but the thing is, it's not a horror story. It was like it ended up being like a beautiful experience that created so much joy. Yeah. you know, it kind of was for the Jews though for a minute. That's true. Yeah, they were. They that definitely thought there was some kind of pogrom <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, I try. I tried to follow it up with a blue man group. <laughs> 
joke. I thought you were doing bluish instead of Jewish. I, well, that's sort of what I no, said. Like, you thought so too. So did I. Okay, we all thought that that's where you were going. <laughs> I had a feeling it wasn't going to stick, so I just tried to get it over with. I'm like, you should have been Blue Man Group. You should have painted yourself blue. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, why don't we hit you with another segment? And then that's all we got for segments, okay? Okay. <laughs> and this is One Hit Ponder. I wrote one good song Took it straight to the top I only wrote one good song Then my band got dropped Welcome to One Hit Ponder! (laughs) Our guest today is Dan Romer. He is a Blue Man Group member, composer, and amateur whistler. What is your one hit ponder? I'm actually a terrible whistler. Have we ever talked about this? No. How much oh, air I think am we I have, actually. On, on Luca, that's my friend Josue Greco uh, whistling. He's incredible. And his whistle will break your heart. Like, if you hear him whistle somewhere over the rainbow, it's like, oh, gorgeous. It's the second time the song's come up. Um, but my whistle here, listen. That is awful. It's rough. That is the worst whistle I have ever heard. <laughs> That just sounds like a whistle. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a little breathy. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, sounds fine. Yeah, a little. <laughs> this podcast sucks. This is great. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not even kidding. I wrote a song yesterday, and there's a hook in it that has like a verby whistle. Huh? Maybe I'll hit you. Maybe I'll. You can send it to me via email. You can send me your whistle. Okay. I would love to. And he'll and he'll wet it. So what does this whistle have to do with uh Well he he said I was a am- amateur whistler, which is true. It was in the introduction. Oh, that's right, it was. I'm an amateur yeah, listener. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's interesting. I, I it's interesting because I think that one hit wonder is a bit of like a like a derogatory term to anyone who you know, to anyone whose yeah, song this, it is. This was you know? Jesse's idea. Correct. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, that's analyzing the one hit wonder status is part of what we can do on this segment. So you could name one of our friends if you wanted to. No. (laughs) Well, because, like, well, uh, you know, I I guess you you can look at it technically and say how many, like, (laughs) Billboard top 40 hits have they had. And you say, well, if it's just one, then they're a one hit wonder. But, you know, I mean, Tommy uh, has fish had a top 40 hit. Is, I don't was Farmhouse so. never a top 40 hit or, I think, or ba- bounce, Bouncing? Is that what the song's I, called? I think Heavy... Bouncing Around the Room. Yeah, Bouncing Around the Room, Heavy Things. They, they had like minor radio play. I doubt they cracked a Billboard top 40. Right. And well, let's say they did. Let's say they did. Let's say that, that Farmhouse was an international smash. Jesse would consider them a one-hit wonder. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Even though they can sell out Madison Square Garden for no, a month. You know, straight. no one's been this difficult on the topic, all right? It's like pornography. Well, I'd like to keep being difficult. I'd like to talk about it a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, because we would call the Flaming Lips a one-hit wonder, right? That's true. Oh, because of uh, uh, She Don't Use Jelly? They are technically. She Don't Use Jelly is their only top 40 hit, I think. I don't think Do You Realize ever cracked top 40. I could be wrong. I don't think. I think you're right. No, No, you're right. When they did the record with Miley, though, did they have a moment? No. Did they have another hit? No, that that record is like, uh, is impenetrable. (laughs) It's really weird. I I thought it was cool. I was like, this is cool that they did this. But yeah, I think they they probably do qualify. It's better if it's an artist that like, you just never hear from again. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. One that is stuck with me for a very long time. Yeah. Something insulting. Just to be clear, we, we would love to have been a one hit wonder. We are still trying to be a one hit wonder. So like, you know, it's true. It would be awesome. 
and a miracle if we were. Please, God, let us have one song, you know? <laughs> the song that, the one-hit wonder song that has stuck with me the longest, that is the most one-hit wondery of all one-hit wonders, is the song Roll to Me by Delamitri. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, yeah, that's a jam. Do you mean this song? It's really fast, man. Now, to this day, I thought this was Blues Travelers. But then, like, I never really thought about it. There's no harmonica solo. It's a big tell. Yeah. Nice ride cymbal part. It's a great song. It sounds good. And his voice sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds relaxed, but, like, still, like, a lot of presence and pressure. I love the next section. Great chords. They know harmony. I've listened to this whole song. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's the greatest song of all time. Actually. I think I, that might be my favorite song. I mean, listening to it now, there's a lot of stuff in there where I'm like, these guys know what they're doing. They're, they, ha- they have a mastery of tonal harmony. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the, the drums sound really great, you know, for that era. I mean, not even for that era. Yeah. They're just, it's a really great drum sound. His True. voice, his work, it, it sounds like it's 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 firing on all cylinders he sounds great it's it's a really I, great recording so i did i just searched for this song on spotify and and i searched roll to me and it the top result is roll to me and the next result is run around by blues traveler <laughs> i'm not even kidding that so when you search roll to me <laughs> okay. most people okay. are actually looking for for blues yeah, traveler wow. the, the midi must be pretty similar in both songs yeah it is very <laughs> similar yeah i will say that blues traveler album for Kind of rocks. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> anyway. We're just listening to Blues Traveler now. Not yeah. as good of a snare. No, not as good of a yeah. snare. It's all very... Not as good of a snare. All of, all very 90s. Which was 20 years before Jesse learned yeah. about me. <laughs> Dan, you know, Dan and I would get... We, we would get really into snare drums when we made records. And I still yeah. remember... Yeah. We were at a... I feel like uh, I won't dwell on this, I promise. But I think one of the records, maybe Safe Travels, like like there were probably six different snare drums and every song had like different cymbals. And everyone's talking about it, man. The drums sound incredible on Safe Travels. That's like they do the Jesse Jesse punches you in the face record. Yeah, it's a cool. It's a great recording. Would have sounded great with one snare. Sounds great with fourteen, and I'm glad we tested all thirty out. <laughs> well, I mean the intent. I mean we, we've talked about this as a obviously together but like the intention with the drums it was just like when you go to see jukebox go well back then you guys didn't really have like ben you weren't covering bass as much on your left hand you didn't have yeah and so when you'd see jukebox live back then pretty much all the low end came from the kick drum and it made because it was just the three of you without a bass player it, it it put a real importance on the drums and it was like okay like i want to try a thing with safe travels where sonically we have like the drum kit as the foundation and we make the drum kit sound as big and important as it does live on the record. And then we kind of like arrange around that to a certain extent. Yeah. You know? And I think it was like the only, t- that was, that record was made decent time ago. 
And I think it's the only time that I've ever been like, are the, I think the drums are too loud. I think we're mixing them too loud. You know, we were going, <laughs> we were going crazy back then. It's good times. I do wake up sometimes and I'm like, I made the drums too loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, be- I believe you actually. I do. I have anxiety. I, do you do that with your scores? You must do that still. Like, oh, with yeah. The- <laughs> with everything. I mean, whenever, I'm always, yeah, everything. I'm like, I fucked it up. I fucked it up. I ruined it. Uh, you know. I dream about MIDI. <laughs> I like those segments. So are those, are those your two segments? You do? Those are segments. We are we are taking suggestions. So if you have any other thoughts for segments, we're we're here. We 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 don't know what else to do. We're completely out of ideas for this podcast. We're out of material. Like if we don't have a guest, we kind of just it's awful. It's uh, it's. Do it's you weird. not? Do you ever not have a guest? We do. We've had a bunch. Yeah, yeah. and we talk. We do mail. We do mailbag episodes where people can call, can can write in. We just got a jukebox the ghost phone number. This is true. I'm going to announce it right now for the first time. You can call Jukebox the Ghost and leave us a voicemail, and it may end up on an episode. If you call, please do it. 757 Jukebox. Yes, I got 757 Jukebox. Um, then you can uh, leave us a message, and you might get played on a mailbag episode. It's true. 757 Jukebox. I guess that is enough numbers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. I did it. Okay. It took me a while. That's awesome. Well, hello, everybody. This is Ben Thornwell from Famous. You just heard me talking earlier, seconds earlier on the podcast. This is an ad break, but it's unique because it's not MailChimp, which hasn't even paid me to make that joke, unfortunately. Uh, I'm here to let you know that tickets are on sale for Halloween 2023. Uh, If you don't know what that is, we do a full set of Jukebox the Ghost and then a set of music as Queen in full costume and character. And we are bringing the show to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Austin, Carborough, and Baltimore, all in October. It's going to be great. Uh, Picture this voice with a mustache and a Freddie Mercury outfit and an absolutely impeccable English accent. If you are listening to this episode after October of 2023, the cities no longer apply to you, but I'm sure we're doing Halloween this year too, so go get those tickets as well. Also, we are launching the Jukebox the Ghost Patreon. Can you believe it? We have famous bonus episodes, content, Jukebox the Ghost Discord, early demos, videos, recordings, MP3s, all sorts of fun stuff. We're really excited to have that going. Um, So please go and check it out and join us there. Uh, Regardless, we really appreciate your support, all of your five, four, and two-star reviews, and we are just super grateful for all of our listeners. So without further ado, here's some more famous. So yeah, no, it's 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 as you can tell, it's not a very good podcast. No, it's, it's a great podcast. Well. No, 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 it's it's fine. Um, often our guests ask, you know, the equivalent of like, well, is that all you do for bits, or do you ask more questions? Surely and, there's more. And what do you do when a guest isn't here? I mean, you know, that's this is good feedback. Well, if you want, no, there's, that wasn't feedback. I was just liking the segments, and I was like, maybe are these the two segments we do? <laughs> um, I mean, do, do you want me to go back and finish answering that question? That was the first question. No, that was I didn't asked? even. Wa- I didn't even care about the beginning of the start of the answer. I was just trying to be polite. No, I really do. No, I would. <laughs> I would love. I would love to because I still. It's just like, me talking you know, about myself. It's not that exciting. But the whole concept of this this podcast is like what it's like to have like a career without like huge amounts of fame, or how you got to where you are, and how you ended up where you are, and you've like been famous and now you are famous in your field but like you have moved through it so I think people would be interested to hear your story because like how you navigated those shifts because i think you know yeah. if, if like if there's a high school kid or a college kid who's like you know music whiz listening to this being like well how did he how do you become a film composer how did you know how did he do it yeah 
Well, so I was doing the, uh, so I was, I was recording myself on the four track and I was like, I like this way, how this sounds when I record myself shitty way more. And I, uh, I was like, I want to go to recording school and learn how to record myself just for the, just for the function of being able to record my own music. And I was constantly going to Barnes and Noble, the Barnes and Noble by my high school, by LaGuardia and just, and not buying the books, just going in and reading the books about recording um, and recording techniques and stuff. And uh, like preparing to, to eventually be in a recording studio and be able to record stuff. And so uh, I, I, I uh, you know, I applied to a bunch of colleges for, for recording. <clears throat> and I, I was thinking about going to, to Berkeley School of Music. The problems were that it was very expensive and also that um, they needed me to come in as a guitar player. And if I was like a guitar major, it would have been really embarrassing because I'm not a very good guitar player. So, and I was like, I just want to be a recording major. And so um, SUNY Purchase was like, I went there, I went, you know, I, I, I did the audition there and they were like, yeah, you can come right in as a recording major. You know, we're going to, you're in, let's do it. And I was like, okay, great. So I went to SUNY Purchase and the community at SUNY was amazing because like it's a state school and it's just like people from all walks of life, you know, and like it's got a really great art program. And so um, I was studying um, studio production, which is a basically like a recording major. Um, and still with the intention of like just starting a band and recording myself. And so I started doing that and I started becoming really good friends with a bunch of different artists for, such as Jenny Owen Youngs. And that was the first artist who was like, who, you know, she knew I was recording my band's music. And she was like, will you record my music for me? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. I'd never truly considered recording other people's music, but I was like, yeah, let's let, yeah, let's do it. And so I recorded her first album and like out of school, like I put together this band called Fireflies and um, we were, I was, this, I was singing in that band right, and writing the songs and we just like weren't, we just weren't getting traction, you know? I mean, like we, we, we would, we were like playing shows and like people were coming, our friends were coming and people like liked our music. They said, people were like, oh, we like this, but like it never went farther than that. Like no one, our albums didn't sell, publications never wrote about us. I remember we were like, we would get like a write up in like the Delhi magazine. I don't know if that still exists. Does it? Uh, I don't know. I doubt it. It did like five years exists. ago, but I don't know now. Okay. Um, and you know, we would like, uh, you know, their, their review would be like, oh, it's pretty good, you know? And like, just no one really seemed to grab onto our music. Meanwhile, that Jenny Owen, Young, Jenny Owen Young's record, um, one of the songs got placed on an episode of Weeds and like, she was getting tons of, of fans and people were like, oh my God, we love your producing on Jenny Owen Young's record. And I was like, oh, like, I kind of live my life in a way where it, that's like a, maybe a little bit sad to say, but I like... I really search for approval a lot, you know? And so when people were liking my work on Jenny's stuff, there's like a dopamine hit there, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I like doing this. I want to do this. I want to make things that people like and people tell me they like. And that kind of sent me down a path where I was like, oh, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm going to bring more happiness to the world by, you know, producing other artists. And so I... I saw this band, um, Slavic Soul Party, uh, which is a nine-piece um, brass band. It's like two drummers, an accordion, and uh, a saxophone player, a tuba, two trombones, two trumpets. 
and I saw them play. Um, it's a, kind of a long winding story to talk about why, but uh, I was scoring my first, I was scoring my second short film uh, at that point, and I was looking for horn players. And so someone told me, oh, go to see this band if you want to find horn players. Um, and so we found horn players there, but I became obsessed with this band. And I started, they play every Tuesday still to this day. They play every Tuesday at Barbez in Brooklyn. Right, right around the corner from me, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you go ever? No, only when you're in town and you say I'm going and then I'll go meet you. You should go. Okay. Well, yeah. next time I'm in Brooklyn, we'll be there. Uh, but so I was like, you know, they every night they would play their songs at a different tempo. There, there would be a different form. You know, my band was playing to an, to an iPod, you know, and we, we were like, we had all the, all the, all the like piano and strings and stuff like, and synthesizers on, and on the left channel of the iPod. We had the click track on the right. And we were just playing to an iPod. It was the same exact show every night. And I was like, and no one was really, it, the music just wasn't catching fire, you know? And so I was just like, I just like fell so in love with this band. And I was like, maybe I could like restart this band with like a million musicians and it's more improvisational. And we're like, you know, and the band just kind of fell apart. And I was like, well, and I remember also that was 2009 or maybe it was like late 2008 and Ingrid Michelson who I had just mixed her record before was like, Hey, do you want to produce my record? And I was like, well, if I, my, I have two options here at this point in my life, I could either like try to tour, keep touring with my band and like, hopefully eventually people will like notice us or I could record this artist who's like really picking up steam. So I was like, I'm going to fucking stay in Brooklyn and record this artist. So I recorded Ingrid and you know, at, at, at the same time, uh, I should say, like, I scored my first my, my, my first short film in, in college for my friend Ray. And uh, I'd known Ray since I was seven years old. And he was like, hey, can you score my short film? And I was like, I don't know how to score films. And he was like, well, I have this friend named Ben Zeitlin. And Ben doesn't know how to make music, but he knows how to tell people how to make music. So maybe I could put you guys together. And so Ben and I scored uh, Ray's short film, Death of the Tin Man, and then Ben then said, hey, like, he heard some of the music I was producing. And he was like, oh, you know how to write strings. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you want to write music for my next short film? We could do it together. And so we started writing all the string music for this short film, Glory at Sea. And then a couple years later, he said, hey, I made this movie, Beats of the Southern Wild. Will you write the music for it? Um, and that was at the same time I was producing you guys. And, you know, with, like, people really liked Ben's short film, well, people really liked Death of the Tin Man. It did really well at Sundance. It won an award. And then Ben's film, Glory at Sea, was doing really well. And was like, oh, people are, like, enjoying these short films that I'm working on. Like, this feels good. I want to keep doing this, you know? And so, like, I was really just following the path of least resistance, really. It was just stuff that people wanted me to do, you know? And then, like, I was, you know, simultaneously producing bands and then and doing Beasts of the Southern Wild. And then when Beasts of the Southern Wild... You know, it won it won Sundance and then it got nominated for four Oscars. And I was like, oh, I think I have a shot now because everyone knows this film. I have like a calling card. And so now I can move to Los Angeles and I can try to become a composer. Um, and I did that. I moved to L.A. And I was like, I'll still record bands. And I was out. It was actually when I was still living in L.A. that I recorded Say Something. I came back to Brooklyn to record Say Something with the Great Big World. But... No one hired me for the first two years, really, that I was living in Los Angeles. Why and, was that? Like, I feel like that it should have opened every door there was. 
What do you think that was? Well, because that was my only feature. And so any meeting that I would have with people, they would say, oh my God, we love, we love the Beast of Southern Wild score. But like, we want a different kind of score for this movie that we were meeting on. And I was, I'm like, oh, what kind of a score do you want? They're like, oh, like a more this kind of score, more that kind of score. And I was like, well, I can do that. And they're like, well, we have no proof you can do that because right. all we've ever heard is you do is Beast of the Southern Wild. So, you know, it was really, it really like, a lot of people get very daunted by this. Like your first big work does not, as a composer, doesn't mean you're suddenly a big composer, you know? Interesting, yeah. And so you really have to like, the composing thing is really like a long game where you keep doing it and you kind of build up relationships with a lot of different directors and writers and producers. And, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you, it's not like pop music where someone can have a number one hit and then all of a sudden, like that, you know, within a year or two, they're like the, the biggest artist ever, you know? Not that that right. really happens exactly, but like it's a lot easier with pop music that once you have that thing, you know, you're big. You know, with a composer, it really takes time. And so, I mean, I, I stayed in LA, I stuck with it, you know, and, and um, it wasn't until 2015 that I, I scored Beasts of Southern Wild in 20. Uh, yeah, 2012. 12. Yeah, 2011. 2011. Oh, 2011. 2011. Yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't score Beasts of No Nation, the other Beast film you were talking about, until 2015. I did a, I did a few docs in between then, and I did a couple I did a couple jobs. I did maybe one or two narrative films, but like people would say to me like, "Oh, so you haven't done anything since Beast, huh?" And I was like, "No, I mean, I'm doing some docs and I had this I had I did some documentaries and I had this song say something on the radio, you know." Um, but people were really like, what happened to you? You know, but it, so it was like really like a four year stick it out kind of thing. And then Beast of yeah. the Nation happened. And, you know, that's a completely different score. That's an electronic score. And so with those two points of evidence after that, it was like, oh, well, okay. So, so this is interesting. What happened there was that I then got called. So then, well, the, the job the, the docs that I was doing, um, the producer on those docs asked me to score The Good Doctor. Well, first asked me to score Atypical and then The Good Doctor. And that was my entrance into TV. Um, and then around then also Ubisoft contacted me and they were like, hey, we love the Beast of the Southern Wild score and we love the Beast of Donation score. Can you make a score for our game Far Cry 5 and make it kind of like Beast of the Southern Wild meets Beast of Donation? Like have like the banjos and fiddles from Beast of the Slayer Wild and then like the scary kind of like dark electronic stuff from Beast of No Nation and put them together. And I was like, yeah, and I did a demo of that. And they were like, great, this is great. Um, and that's actually my, my most listened to music on, on, on the internet. Wait, can I ask you about that? Like how, much, how many minutes of music did you compose for that game? Oh, it's hard to remember now, but I think it was around four hours. Wow. It's, that's a lot more than a typical... Is it, when you were working on that, was it a little more freeform? Like you just needed X number of pieces that did, that hit a certain tone? Or, because you're, or how much are you, like sometimes you're working to cuts or, uh, yeah, but just the process. This was the process for that game. So they gave me a copy. So that game is about a murderous cult. And they gave me a copy of the cult's Bible and that you never see in game, I don't think. And they said, can you, they were like, we want you to write 10 folk songs that are, um, like about the Bible and propaganda for the cult. So write these 10 songs and then the melodies from those 10 songs will be the themes, will be the 10 themes for the whole rest of the score. 
And so I wrote these 10, the first thing I did was write those 10 songs. And then we recorded, I recorded them myself, like in like a, kind of like a, like a acoustic lo-fi punk kind of atmosphere, country punk atmosphere. And then they recorded them with um, a choir also. And then they also, and they also recorded them with the band Hammock. The band Hammock did like psychedelic reach interpretations of the songs. Cool. And those are what you hear on the radio when you're driving around in the game. Cool. And then, so then they were like, we need, they're like, here's the kinds of music we need. They're like, we need this amount of stealth loops. And they're like, like for when you're just creeping around. And they're like, we have three regions of the game. We need stealth loops for all the region, for all three regions. And then we need action loops for all the regions as well. Uh, And then we need like ambient exploration music and we need um, like mission success music. And I think those are pretty much the open world musics. And then they had like mission specific music where they're like, okay, this mission needs to be this specific thing. This And like, it's like this level of action, this level of darkness. Uh, and, and then, um, and then we had the cutscenes, just the, the dramatic, you know, things that you just watch. Um, so it ended up being a fuck ton of music, you know, That's cool. but so the music, from that video game ended up be, like there's one piece of score from that game. And then otherwise song, my, the songs in that game are like the, my top listen to stuff on Spotify. Um, wow. Yeah. I was just thinking like that you, when you were talking b- before, when you were talking about the sort of like um, struggle after you'd had your first big hit to find the next thing, I was thinking about the interesting mind game that the sort of, you know, success ladder and climbing that can, can play because, you know, during this like so-called no man's zone, I was just thinking like, I was like, that is when Dan produced two top 10 billboard hits. <laughs> like during that gap of time, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, yeah, Sean Mendez being the other one, right? Yeah. 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 Sean Mendez in great, in great big world. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I had really switched my focus at that point, but like, you know, <clears throat> I, I always just want to do like the cool project, you know, it's like, I always like, you know, if, uh, if Tom Waits called me right now, he's like, Hey, I really love how your, uh, <laughs> your recording sound. Uh, he, actually, what's funny, actually, no, his speaking voice is way up here, but then when he sings, <laughs> yeah, he's the opposite of me. He's the opposite. Yeah. Uh, if, if Tom Waits called me and just asked me to just engineer his album. If he was like, we have a producer on board. I've got all the songs. I got the band ready to go. I just love your engineering. Will you come engineer my album? I would say yes, because I love Tom Waits and I would want to be a part of that project. I have terrible news for you. Tom Waits is one of our top listeners to this podcast. <laughs> and if you've listened to the start of this podcast, we talked about your engineering skills and and I think that ship has sailed. He's not into it. He's no longer into <laughs> it. I would fucking love it if Tom Waits called me and he's like, yeah, I want to make like an orchestral album where I like sing beautiful heart-wrenching songs and I want you to do all the orchestra. You should reach out to Tom Waits. But that's what, you're in a place now where yeah. you could send a letter to Tom Waits. Yeah. Send that send that man a, a handwritten letter in your own blood and he will respond. <laughs> in blood. <laughs> that uh that accordion when we listened to what happened, I mean, you didn't you added that that accordion at the end or or a chord organ? Yeah. Very tom very like swordfish trombone or you know. That that gave me big Tom Waits energy for sure. I mean, a lot of the reason why I started playing accordion was because of Tom Waits for sure. You know, I mean, that that he's the first artist that I really heard accordion in where I was like, "Oh, I love this." You know, hell yeah. 
So I got something to tell you. I don't know if we're wrapping up soon, but we are going to, at the end of this episode, we are going to play in its entirety a song that you sing from Far Cry 5. Um, we're going to play a song called Let the Water Wash Away Your Sins. I hear Come On Up to the House. Did you write this song? I hear Come On Up to the House by Tom Waits in it. I don't know what you're talking about. Seriously? He's talking about this song, which I'm not... Which Dan has no recollection of writing, recording, or being involved in. You're fucking with me. No, I'm saying I don't know about it being influenced by Tom Waits, even though I just said... Oh, really? Was, uh, <laughs> no, I mean... Well, see, now I don't... Oh, okay. <sighs> Do you think, if you were a member of the Blue Man Group, that you could get access to Tom Waits? Uh, yeah. I feel like he's backstage. He's in the green room at every show. I bet. He's, uh, he's a bluer. He's a... Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. He's I mean, blue. I think the Blue Man Group probably loves Tom Waits, right? Probably. I don't know. Who doesn't love Tom Waits? Whom among us? I mean, whenever I start to do percussion, it's always... Um, I will say this. Um, so um, I do a lot of hitting drums, sides of drums. I do a lot of hitting drums. I do a lot of hitting drums with uh, the, the sides of drums with sticks. Yeah. We, we've done a lot of that together. We call it cl- clacks. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Yeah. C-L-A-C-K, clack. And... Um, Constantly, I'm just like, all right, time for me to go to the drum and do, um, and do, you know, four layers of me playing clacks uh, over this, and it takes a long time. And so, when I was working with my collaborator Josue, I was like, he could, he was, you know, he knows how to program sample instruments. And I was like, hey, can you make me a clack library so I can just like press a key and have the, all the drums, the different? Like, can you make clack samples of all of my drums? And, you know, so I can just press a button now and just play the clacks that way. And he's like, yeah, sure. And, um, and he, uh, he put a picture of Tom Waits on it, on the sample instrument. Oh, yeah. Love that. And so now when I ample up my clack bank, it's, I see, I see Tom looking me in the face. I don't think you're allowed to say clack bank. <laughs> I think that's, this is not, this is a, that's an inappropriate thing to say. Well, I did it. It's a, it's in the past. It, now, ben. It, it's all just clack made. bank. You gotta say, you gotta, yeah, put that in your clack bank, huh. you know? How are you guys doing? What's going on? Oh, now he asks. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you're touring soon? You, I, I saw the Halloween tickets are oh, yeah. going up on sale. You're doing Halloween. Um, uh, that's in October. We're doing three shows in late November, early December of our first three albums in three consecutive nights at Bowery Ballroom. The little like underplay throwback. That's one. So we're doing uh, we're doing safe travels. In its entirety. Front to back. Should be pretty fun. I wanted to do the joke when uh, I came on, the, the, when you saw me this, uh, when you saw me for the first time. Yeah. And you guys, I was expecting you guys to go, mustache! And then I was going to say, I'm getting ready for Halloween. That was my plan. I Can we do that real quick? Can you go off screen and then we'll reenact it? Okay. All right, guys, I'm really, how are you all feeling about uh, Romer? I think he's going to show up any minute now. I don't know our, when. Our special yeah, guest, Dan Romer. Yes. <gasps> Mustache. mustache mustache i'm getting ready for halloween <laughs> wow <laughs> i gotta be honest i forgot i thought you were gonna say mustache i forgot what the bit was i'm sorry for that pause no you say it wait well ben do you want to do it again i've no i well, no we did it right we did it right yeah yeah, yeah. ben you shit do you i when i've seen when i saw halloween i shit yes you <laughs> you you come on with a full on your first halloween show 
you come on with the full beard, right? And then and then you go backstage and sh- yeah, so shave. I frantic I frantically just like put my facial hair all over some poor dressing room, green room, uh, in a panic fifteen minutes and change into the costume. Yes, yeah, so I, I I shave the beard and, and leave the mustache. It's only fifteen minutes. The changeover? Yeah, fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. We do a costume contest, so the opening band or, or act, whoever it is, like MCs a bunch of people uh, coming up in costume and then they win the prize and then we come back out as uh, and do queen but yeah and then i'm a mustache guy for like a whole like a couple weeks and people like you walked i don't know if you experienced this now but like people with mustaches sort of give you a nod right they're like <laughs> i see you right i see you i have not experienced that yet and that is that is so not true <laughs> it is absolutely a thing that happens you're just used Imagine to it now you're, you're just used to it you're in you're Bushwick. These, these... You're in like fucking Bushwick in Brooklyn, and the hipster like behind the bar, just like yo. It's like musta- a thing. It's mustache. a look. It's a look. <laughs> I... You're walking down the street. You're walking down the street. You're wearing a mustache. And someone's like, you know, you make eyes, and then they, you know, pinch your ass. And As they... Larry David has pointed out, the the the, the bald people definitely have this. Yeah, I'm saying there's a thing. We'll nod. Anyway, it's been a thing for me, Jesse. You you might anyway, and I just want to say I'm not I'm not actually. I'm not one of you. I want to be like, this is a joke. I don't look I'm people in, in the eyes. So honestly, I don't know. I don't look anyone in the eye. Really? I have noticed that people are are friendlier to me with the mustache. Than Interesting. I, well, and I, whenever I say that, people are like, well, um, the beard can be a little intimidating. So I don't think I'm a very intimidating person. Hmm. I think we are in a new, we're, the mustache is not threatening. It's in fact, uh, What's the word? Emasculating. Emasculating. <laughs> Emasculating. Yeah. And I say that I have I've had a mustache for years. Well, it's true. You can you can have a beard. You can have a beard and maintain a really serious look and attitude. And I think there's an inherent silliness to a mustache that even those with mustaches know, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it is a lot harder to take someone with a mustache seriously. It's like a bow tie for your face. Like if someone with a mustache was like yelling at me, I would I would uh, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> Jesse, you just said that's so. Jesse just said it's like a bow tie for the face. Oh, it's true. And I couldn't agree more. It's true. Yeah, it's like oh, you—that's a choice. But but Dan, don't get rid. Don't let that. Please don't stop now. No, you look very intimidating as 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 usual. Oh, thank you. Don't change a thing about yourself. I appreciate that. It looks great. That's what I'm going for. I think it's a, I think it's a great look. It looks classic immediately. Thanks, thanks, Tommy. I almost got rid of it a couple days ago, and then I was like, ah, I'll go a little longer. See you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for holding on to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah hold on yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Ben, for you? For me? What? Anyway. Wait, so, wait sorry, you froze, Ben. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Everything's good. We, uh, we've recorded a lot of music. We're, we're making music. I've learned how to engineer from you. And uh, I'm always like more, every time I hear your recordings, man, I'm more and more impressed. Like, Thanks, dude. It, it, it really is with bands. It's like only a matter of time when, you know, like, it's like you realize you're an engineer. You don't need an engineer, you know? Like you stick with it, and it's like, all right. Well, I shouldn't say that, right? That's is that fucked up to say? It is always no, 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 it, no. But like, here's the thing: it's anyone. Like, if you're in the industry, if you're doing the thing, like we've made six records, like we should have figured it out by now. And it's good to like have some control over your fate. Right. Yeah. It's nice to like work in a studio with somebody else because it's someone else's ideas. You don't have to battle with your own brain and the brain of your bandmates, you know. But it's and it's nice to have someone else to be like, you're all idiots. Yeah. And, and we don't have that. Um. But it's nice to be able to just record what we want and take our time with it. Yeah, we're definitely in a we're definitely in a strong period of self recording. But I'm I look forward to a future era where we we get a little sick of our own space and we you know work in other studios and stuff. But right now it's awesome. 
you know, doing the self recording thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, Ben, Ben's killing the game. He is. I don't, uh, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I'm glad he has the curiosity because I think, I mean, I don't, I, I just, I love recording. I love arranging things in writing and I am <laughs> totally fine with making an entire record with an SM seven and an Apogee duet, which is bad because like, if I think that sounds fine, I think, I think it's, it's stymieing my curiosity. Ben's, Ben's killing it. I mean, the SM7 is an incredible microphone. It's very quiet. It's it's a uh, low gain, uh, very low gain. <laughs> <laughs> it is very low gain. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And, hey, I don't even know what uh, MIDI is or uh, what else. Not anything, really. You're recording MIDI right now, Jesse, with your microphone. You're recording MIDI. This is MIDI. <laughs> what is this, Neil Young Trans? <laughs> I bought so many copies of Neil Young's, Neil Young's album Trans. I... I I, I, it used to be you, you could only find it in like the import sections in record stores that were like at like a flea market or something. And I just kept like losing it. I would, I, I kept buying it and I've, I've bought like three or four copies of that. That's album. funny. I did buy it on vinyl. Uh, I think I texted you a photo cause you were, I bought it randomly just knowing that I think you were, you showed us that record. It's awesome. Um, I fucking love that album. So this is, this is, uh, I'm glad like Dan, we don't see each other. I'm I'm sorry I'm 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 taking over for a moment. Oh, Dan and I do sometimes FaceTime each other without saying anything. Oh, you should talk about this. This that's good. That's really good. Oh, really? Yeah. I like yeah. I like your FaceTime thing. Yeah, explain it, Jesse. Well, we'll just FaceTime each other randomly. I should say like I guess this is funnier because we just don't talk, like we don't see each other, we don't talk to each other ever, but we love each other. We even at one point, we talked about how we wanted to live on the same street, like as grown out, as old people or something. For a brief, a very brief period in time. I would love that. We, we're, we're friends. I don't have to convince you all, but, we're, but I'm friends with Dan Romer. <laughs> so, so he will just randomly FaceTime me and we'll just look at each other. And that's it. You don't say a word. And we'll literally just be looking at each other. We don't say a word. You won't speak. No, no. And, uh, and then we'll hang up. And you, you were driving a car. And you initiated a call, a FaceTime. Don't do this. <laughs> Don't. This isn't funny. But I was in standstill traffic. Oh, okay. Oh, you're yeah. You're in LA. But I was also driving, and I answered actually. So <laughs> I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> we're both in cars, and it was a, we, we were like yes. Yeah, we didn't say anything. We just kind of looked at each other, uh, both driving. Yeah. Can I remind really you bad. though, when you got COVID, um, when you were on tour and you got COVID, yeah. I called you uh, and we talked for like two hours on the phone. Oh, true. When I whenever I get COVID, I have so much more time. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice, actually. I write so many. It's like a writing retreat. Sometimes you just gotta take a minute, get on Discord, and chat. Oh, what's that, Ben? I'm sorry. I was just saying, sometimes it's nice to take some time and like catch up on your Discord and and hang out and and get COVID with your friends. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then okay, so there is something I wanted to ask Dan since we don't talk, we just look at each other. Is the there's a guitar lick when we we're I almost like two hours ago almost uh, brought this up, but it's like the ticka 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 ding. It's like the I maybe it's so Emily I don't know. There's don't a, you find it curious? Yeah, that. But you, I remember. Now this seems stupid because like we know how that song goes, but we were we were trying to like come up with the rhythm and then communicate it to Tommy. And you did like and we now work our front of house our uh, sound guy. He sometimes has gigs with Gavin DeGraw. I can't not think about. But what was the? Was it Stuart Little? 
You're like you're teaching Tommy this rhythm, and you go, "It's it's Stuart Little, Stuart Little, Devin DeGraw." But it was some I don't know if it was I don't Stuart remember Little. what the I don't remember yeah, I don't yeah. remember what the what what the name was. But yeah, I mean, yeah, this is something that with music that's like way easier to learn music when you when you add syllables to it. I mean, like what you know, uh, like there's this thing where uh, playing the rhythm of four against three of playing a beat of four against a beat of three, which sounds like this. And when the first time you hear it, you're kind of like, it's a little bit impenetrable. And then, and then you get taught it's past the goddamn spinach. So it's past the goddamn spinach, past the goddamn spinach. And you're like, oh, that's really easy to play now. <laughs> Here you go. What is that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, well, as you know, it's It's a lot easier than, than just trying to like theorize four <laughs> against three. You're like, how do, yeah. how do I do this? How do you feel it? How do you get there? I love yeah. that. That's really cool. Um, I think it's probably time to, to call it. I think we did it. We did it. It's been really, really good. Um, we're going to, we have one more segment, oh, which great. is we all hum um, and we hum as long as we can on one breath. Okay, we just don't want to tell you because this is the first time we're doing it. I, we don't have a theme song for it yet. But on the count of three, we're all going to hum. One, two, three. <laughs> pass the goddamn spinach. Pass the goddamn spinach. Can we try it again? Can we try it again? Yeah, you want to do it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, or, or is that it? No, we can do one more. We can do, the, this, do one more. This segment has two seconds. Two, two tries. One. Deep breath. <laughs> okay. One, two, three. <laughs> I don't think we can do it. No, one more, one more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. Okay. Everyone gets this. We got to do it. This is a high, high pitch. We're going too low. What? Okay. I thought I was okay. going too one, high the first time. One, two. No, we all need to go a little higher. One, okay, two, three. All right. One, two, three. <laughs> Did I win? No, Jesse won. I think you won. Jesse won. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's it. I think actually that's a good segment. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. I just invented that Guys, segment. I think I really that's a keeper. I enjoyed being on your show. I really had a good time. Dan, we love you. Thank Thanks, you for man. coming on the. You're pod. a legend. Um, we love you so much. I love you too. You're the abs- You're the absolute best. I would love. I would love to see you guys as soon as humanly possible. I I, I. 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 Well, I see Tommy all the time, but I, I miss you guys so much. I miss you, buddy. Miss you. Miss Give you. me a call sometime. We won't um, say a fucking word. Cool. All right. Let's. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Okay. Great. All right. Good.
for a world that feeds on doubt. Water wash away your sins. And those banks keep getting bigger while your pockets empty out. Let the water wash away your sins. And if all the thieves and liars have been knocking at your door, let the water wash away your sins. And they said they'd feed your family, and you believed what they swore. But you can't find the proof Let the water wash away your sins And you can see your brothers marching But you can't speak your truth Let the water wash away your sins Oh, if your mother was a screamer And your father ruled with fists Let the water wash away your sins And if you're thinking about the highway And you're looking at your wrists Pretty soon I'm gonna be famous, a little more famous than you. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous, and you can be famous too. <laughs>